2: Filmmaking sure is a tough old business. Even if you've got all the money, time, and personnel you could ever want at your disposal, there's no guaranteeing everything's going to work out as planned. Then there are times where, whether you're a big budget production or a tiny one, it's simply less hassle to seek forgiveness rather than permission. Rather than have a dozen boring bureaucratic conversations with producers, location managers, and city officials, why not just cut through the red tape by shooting your desired scene guerrilla style without proper authorization? I'm Jess from WhatCulture and here are 10 actors who shot movie scenes without permission. Number 10. Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue Leaving Las Vegas Vegas. Mike Figgis made the uncommon decision to shoot his eventually Oscar-winning 1995 drama Leaving Las Vegas on 16mm film, which, as opposed to the bulky 35mm cameras typically used by Hollywood movies, allowed Figgis to shoot his film under a fair veil of anonymity. The smaller 16mm camera allowed him to stage scenes on the streets of Las Vegas, despite the fact the production didn't have the resources to shut down the strip for filming. As such, many of the scenes that show stars Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue talking out in the streets of Vegas were simply filmed while the hustle and bustle of the real-life strip was going on around them. No permits, no shutdowns, no nothing. Anyone could have interrupted a take at any time. Though the small crew mostly managed to blend into the busy Vegas environment, this did reportedly result in figures shooting a number of scenes in just one take, to avoid attracting the police's attention. Figus was ultimately pleased with how it turned out, resulting in a more authentic, almost documentary-like feel to Cage and Shoes performances. Number 9. Jimmy Stewart. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Few who've seen Frank Capra's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington will forget the sequence where Jefferson Smith visits a number of iconic Washington monuments, namely the Lincoln Memorial and Stairs in Wonder. You'd be forgiven for assuming that Capra and his production wrote to the National Park Service and requested permission to shoot the sequence. But in actual fact, the Park Service turned the filmmaker down, and yet Capra decided to just do it anyway. Capra went to the Lincoln Memorial with Jimmy Stewart and a skeleton casting crew to complete the scene in secret. And thankfully, there's no record of the production suffering any major consequences for refusing to take no for an answer. Number eight, Wayne T. Carr, Justice League. A slightly more contemporary example now with Wayne T. Carr, who was hired to portray John Stewart, aka Green Lantern, in Zack Snyder's original version of Justice League. However, Snyder actually hired Carr and filmed his small role without informing Warner Brothers executives, who'd already vetoed the inclusion of Stewart because they had tentative plans to use the character in the future. Snyder even went to the lengths of filming Carr's scene against a green screen in the driveway of his own home in order to maintain secrecy, while informing Carr that there was a possibility Warner Brothers would prevent the scene from being used, as turned out to be the case. Snyder even threatened to quit the film at the thought of a major superhero of color being cut, but met a compromise with the studio which allowed him to include Martian Manhunter, as we finally saw in last year's the Snyder's cut. There's shooting a scene guerrilla style, and then there's disobeying the big bad studio so audaciously that you have to secretly film at your own damn house. Sadly, the footage of Cara Stewart didn't appear as part of the Snyder cut, and hasn't surfaced to this very day, even with Warner's upcoming HBO Max Green Lantern series reportedly not using the character. Number seven, Brooklyn Prince and Valeria Cotto, The Florida Project. Sean Baker's The Florida Project ends in highly memorable fashion when youngsters Mooney and Jancy join hands and run away, or not depending on how you interpret it, to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. You might have noticed that, as the pair reach Disney's park, the filming format abruptly changes from 35mm film to something jerkier and handheld with a lower visual fidelity. This is because Baker shot the scene on his iPhone without seeking permission from Disney, who are extremely selective about who they let film inside their parks. Given the film's subject matter centered around Florida's economic disparity, Baker understandably assumed they would reject his request. And so Baker simply led his young actresses to the real park where they entered as regular paying guests and filmed it with his own phone. They surely passed as any regular family to both Disney security and the park's other attendees who were blissfully unaware that they were about to become part of one of 2017's best movies. Number six. Tim Burns, Mad Max. Despite being made for just 400,000 bucks Australian back in 1979, that's around 1. 1.5 million US today, George Miller's original Mad Max is a relatively polished, even handsome film, all things considered. Still, Miller has characterized the entire experience as an exercise in guerrilla filmmaking. That is, cast and crew would quite literally close roads of their own accord and start filming without permits. Complicating matters, the crew were unable to communicate through walk talkies as is common on film shoots for fear that the frequency would be picked up by the local police and clue them into what they were doing one brief but notable scene that was stolen involved villain Johnny the boy breaking the chain off a payphone to make a call to his fellow gang members in the scene Johnny appears to be doing so in quite a rush yet this wasn't so much for narrative reasons but because Miller didn't have permission to be filming on this Melbourne overpass and so he had to get the shot done quickly and without detection. Somewhat ironically, in the later stages of production, the Victorian police did learn about the shoot and actually opted to help Miller close down roads and escort vehicles. A happy and very Australian ending for all
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care. A leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: Number five, Cary Grant, North by Northwest. Alfred Hitchcock's unforgettable North by Northwest features a sequence where protagonist Roger Thornhill escapes Philip Van Damme's henchman and takes a taxi to the United Nations headquarters in New York to meet a man named Lester Townsend. And though Hitchcock was certainly a household name by 1959, neither he nor the alluring Cary Grant were able to persuade the UN to allow them to officially shoot on or around the building. But Hitch being Hitch, he refused to take no for an answer and attempted to film Grant walking up to the UNHQ, sans permission. After two attempts failed for various reasons, Hitch hatched one final plan, by having a cab drop Grant off by the steps leading up to the General Assembly Building and having a camera crew installed across the street to capture Grant walking up them. It worked perfectly. You'd never guess the shot was stolen from a simple glance, even if eagle-eyed viewers might notice a man doing a double take as Grant walks past him, which honestly just adds to the charm of it all. Number 4. Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel, Monsters Gareth Edwards' directorial debut Monsters put him immediately on the map, yet despite its impressive level of polish, was made for just $500,000 back in 2010, with Edwards creating all of the visual effects himself on his home computer. Though the end result seems massively controlled and mapped out, Edwards started shooting without a script or storyboard simply writing an outline for actors Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel to work from. Despite filming in five countries, the US, Mexico, Costa Rica, Guatemala and Belize, Edwards, his two cast members and five crew members, largely filmed in locations they found without seeking any local permission whatsoever. The seat of the pants improvisational production allowed Edwards to simply drive around until he found a compelling location to shoot in. Because Monsters was shot with prosumer digital, cameras and had such a minimal cast and crew, the shoot seemingly didn't attract much unwanted attention, despite how impressively cinematic the end result looks. Number 3. Caroline Munro, The Last Horror Film This 1982 cult classic horror comedy from schlock peddlers Troma Entertainment stars Joe Spinell as a New York taxi driver who stalks a beautiful actress at the Cannes Film Festival, all while the actress's friends start brutally dying off. In surely one of the ballsiest feats of guerrilla filmmaking ever, director David Winters had the entire production descend upon the actual 1981 Cannes Film Festival without seeking the festival's permission. Winters' masterstroke was in hiring former Bond girl Caroline Munro to star, her glitzy presence seemingly totally on brand for Cannes, and ensuring the film could shoot at and around the festival grounds without attracting excess attention. The result is a surreal meta and impressively creative film that's all the more peculiar if you've ever visited Cairns yourself. Given that the festival is effectively a media scrum, Winters and his crew blended in perfectly and the final film is shockingly coherent considering it was thrown together as is. Number two, Sigourney Weaver, Alien 3. Alien 3 may not be as refined or downright great as the first two films but you have to feel for first-time filmmaker David Fincher who endured a painful production rife with studio meddling prompting him to publicly disown the film and largely refuse to discuss it to this very day. Fincher faced so much opposition from Fox and his producers during shooting that he ended up taking matters into his own hands alongside star Sigourney Weaver. Fincher bristled up against his producers while filming the iconic confrontation between Ripley and the xenomorph following the death of Clemens. The producers denied him permission to film the statuesque moment where the salivating alien confronts Ripley, but Fincher simply took Weaver, a small crew, and went and did it anyway. Given that the scene involved use of a xenomorph prop and a heavily drooling one at that, it's impressive that Fincher was able to get the beat in the can without the producers finding out. Plenty floor though, the movie is, that shot is one of the most memorable in the entire Alien franchise. Number one, Robin Sortman and Arlene Buckman, The Strangeness. An extremely niche pick to end our list now with the 1985 cult horror film The Strangeness. This had to make our list simply because of the both fascinating and irresponsible nature of its off-piste shooting. The film opens, as most horror movies do, with a taste-to-kill sequence in which couple Brian and Amy enter a Abandoned mine for kicks and get quickly killed off by the creature residing inside. Incredibly, director Melanie Ann Phillips shot the scene in a real California mine called the Red Rover and did so without seeking any permission whatsoever from the proprietor or even checking that it was basically safe to shoot in. While the cast and crew thankfully completed the brief scene without suffering any harm, a month afterwards a crew of miners entered the mine to investigate whether it was worth reopening, traveled further in inside than the film crew had, and were reportedly killed by a pocket of poison gas inside. There are probably a few lessons to be learned from all this, namely that if you're a cash-strapped filmmaker looking to add some free production value to your film, don't go skulking around in dangerous-ass mines. They got lucky, but had they gone further in, it could have evidently been really bad, and was for those poor miners.